Welcome to this week's podcast by Celebration Church Rarotonga. We believe this message will empower and equip you to live a life of breakthrough. Thanks for joining us. Right, okay, I'm going to talk today about an issue that I think is prevalent. It's an end time issue. I think it's always existed. And I, I want to use the word uh, deceiving or the word seduction. And um, I, yeah, so we'll talk about that, seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. And I want you to really listen up with your heart, listen up with your mind and so forth, and be open to what the Spirit of God is saying to the church. There are what is called seducing spirits or deceiving spirits. They are legitimate. They exist. The Bible is very clear about them. Uh, some people operate in them. Some people are under them. You might be under a seducing spirit now. And so we want to talk about that and unmask that and talk about how we can walk in liberty from that because there are different things, there are different spiritual powers and circumstances that are specifically planned against your life to actually rob you of your destiny. Okay, so the first scripture is here is, um, uh, I'll jump right into it actually, we won't do the first two scriptures, but we'll go right into this one, is 1 Timothy 4, 1. 1 Timothy 4.1. Thank you, Mania. Here it goes. Now, the Spirit, Holy Ghost, expressly or earnestly says that in the later times, or the latest times, it actually means. In other words, the Holy Spirit has got an earnestness about him. So in other words, he's kind of pleading and coming with earnestness to the church. And he's saying, hey, guys, a wake-up call before Christ comes back, there is going to be seducing spirits on this earth. And so he says this, uh, in the latter times, then it says some will depart from the faith, giving heed to. So I'll read it back. Now the Spirit earnestly, expressly says that in the latter, latest times, some, not all, will depart or leave from the faith, giving heed or giving attention to or giving way to. In other words, there's a weight and there's a persuasion around our life and it's a seducing spirit that we don't see it that way. We wouldn't recognize it that way, but in the realm of the spirit, it actually exists and it's there to, to move us away from godly values and godly principle. And then it says this, giving heed to, number one, seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. They're two separate things, seducing spirits. I like this because in order to get a doctrine of a demon, you have to be, and to succumb to that, you have to be seduced to it anyway. But what Paul does, he actually singles it out now. And he's saying, hey guys, there's a seducing spirit here, a doctrine of a demon. Also, there's two doctrines, ideologies and philosophies that have been established and the source of it is actually demonic. Can you imagine that? And I sick in of all the doctrines of demons. I listed a list there of doctrines of demons. Some of them would be cults. Some of them you could find with a sects, S-E-C-T-S. Uh, some of them are ideologies like communism. Some of them are mainline religions that are today and uh, that, that have an appearance of godliness, but they deny Christ. They deny Jesus Christ. And so what Paul is saying, this is going to be prevalent. This is going to be a hallmark of the end times. Some people who are currently in the kingdom of God are going to be lured, charmed, and seduced by spiritual forces and powers, and they're going to give heed to doctrines, ideologies, and philosophies of demons. Okay? And uh, so it's not all its not all the occult, or it's not all cults or, or religions and so far that, that are out there that don't 
uh, have Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, there are other areas of seduction. There are other areas like humanism, secularism as a doctrine of a demon and a new age movement, new age recruitment. All of that is a doctrine of a demon. Wicked witchcraft, which is a thriving uh, a cult, if you like, in America today, it's actually a doctrine of a demon. People are departing and leaving evangelical churches because they can't find what they're looking for, so they're getting into Wicca. And uh, so it's a doctrine. It's a doctrine. It's an ideology. It's a philosophy. There are philosophies. There are secular philosophies that are moving, uh, moving through in policies and legislations that are coming through government, Western world in particular, but they're actually sourced not from the ideology of wisdom of man. They're actually from a demonic entity, a demonic source. And unfortunately, a lot of people just kind of see it for what it is and it's kind of like, or don't see it for what it is and buy in. We sell out into it. But we've got to sometimes have a gift of discernment. Now, it doesn't say people giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of demons. It doesn't say they're false prophets. It doesn't say that. It doesn't say they're false apostles or false ministries. These are good people. It's, it, but it implies one thing, a lack of discernment. That's what it implies. And we know off the bat, the Bible talks about the Word of God, and it says, for solid meat is for the mature, who through constant use can to determine and distinguish between difference between right and wrong. So the more you familiarize yourself with the Word of God, when you see the televangelist, you think something's not right. Uh, what he's saying is good, but the character, something's not right, and you find out he's into fraud or he's actually into adultery or something like this. Okay, these are very, very real things. But let's make it a little bit relevant to where we're at in our church at Celebration here. These are spiritual realities. Um, uh, okay, so the deceiving spirit or, the, or seducing spirits have a spiritual ability to manipulate emotions, massage emotions, massage your thinking, luring and drawing a person away from God and away from destiny. In other words, they come up against or they come in comparison to or alongside parallel in a seducing, luring spirit. Um, the other thing to know, it has an intelligence behind it. The doctrines of demons, I've just spoken, they're an ideologies and they're certain engineered construction of thoughts that have been drafted by a demonic enterprise and intelligence and it's presented to the minds of men, okay? And uh, to believe that they have the answers to all of the human race and it subtly and overtly disregards the truth of God's word. Murray's been talking about the spirit of Antichrist. I just listened to his podcast yesterday on live. And uh, as you know this, you'll know this, but um, the Antichrist, anti means in place of and in opposition to. And so you see ideologies are coming through the world that are in place of the things of God and they're in opposition to. So in other words, we're trying to redefine family now. Okay, redefine family and make everything legitimate and everything. You can do what you like as a family. It's called a family. Well, Bible actually has an order to the home. It has an order to the home. And what happens, especially if we're government or education or something like that, you guys have a unique opportunity to actually be an influence and stand in what you know. You don't have to, you don't have to yield. You're an assignment against the powers of darkness just by virtue of being on the board. And I want to encourage us this. Mate, be on the boards of high schools. If you can be on the board of anything in here and you've been elected and you get asked to be on the board, go on that board. Man, I wouldn't think twice about it. Go on that board because you have the highest influence in that organization. 
And so it's, it's just like sometimes you can't change the world from the bottom up. You have to get into that place to change it from the top down. We can pray from the bottom up, and God places people in the top down, but that's the influence. We've got to get, we've got to get into media. We've got to get into politics. We've got to get into all these areas. Why? Because we can be a voice there, and we can be an influence. Sometimes things are presented, ideas and inspirations around people's lives, and it's just like they don't even know where they get the thoughts from. And sometimes it's inspired by darkness, okay? So, yeah, okay. Am I preaching to somebody this morning? I mean, am I? Well, we're just throwing out some stuff there this morning. Man, there's got to be, we've got to take this word and make a change in our environment. We just can't be a churchy kind of people along with everybody else. We didn't come to do that. We came to be a breakthrough apostolic governing church that takes authority over demonic dominion powers that want to demonize and destroy our people. That's what we're here for. The demonic powers, you've got to wake up, and we have to wake up and realize we have an opposition. We have demonic spirits that want to murder your kids, want to destroy your kids, want to bend them right out of shape and kill your parents, all sorts of stuff. And you say, well, I, my parents haven't been killed. No, but there's no life around them. They are religious. They're, they haven't got the life of Christ around them. And we need to break the shackles of darkness. Get in there with teeth and begin to speak a message of truth and begin to break the shackles of darkness. We've got to throw out, look, let me, oh my goodness, now we've got started. We have to break the power of complacency. Complacency says, I care, but not enough to do anything. We've got to break the power of passivity. That thing that just makes us nonchalant, come in and walk in and waltz out. Mate, we've got to change agents. We're climate changers. We're going to change our nation. Rarotonga, let me tell you, is going to hell outside of Jesus. It needs Christ. It doesn't really need religion. It doesn't need religious conformity. It needs the power of Jesus Christ. And we've got to rise up. And men, we've got to start praying. Wives, we've got to start praying. Get rid of the junk out of the homes. Start pushing into the things of God. Don't make an excuse to be offended. Can, I, can you hear me now? Don't get offended with your relatives or what's out there. Have a gracious, loving spirit, but bring King Jesus into the conversation. Bring Christ to the nation. My goodness, this is the apostolic church. It's what God is doing. We can't be passive. We can't blend anymore. The welcoming mat for the church has been pulled away in the Western world. We're not the popular guys 15, 20 years ago. We were quite popular on the block. But now we're carrying a message that the world doesn't want to hear. Hungry hearts want to hear it. Yeah, people that are hungry for God and are hungry for spirituality and searching and broken, they want to hear it, but demonic spirits, they resist it. They are in opposition to it. They want to replace the Word of God. Praise God. So, the idea behind the uses of seduction is to lure and mislead. That's what it wants to do. The spirit camouflages its presentation to you. It looks good. It smells good. It feels good. And you get enamored by it, taken in because of the ego, or taken in because of the rejection and the fears and, and so forth. We get taken in. We think, oh, wow, what an opportunity. And it's exactly the same temptation. Please, please understand this, that Eve had, Genesis 3, 6, when she saw, saw, that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye. 
The lust of the eyes, the lust of the flesh, the pride of the Pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And it says, and also desirable for gaining wisdom. Wisdom. Intellectual, like the Greeks. Intellectual wisdom. <sighs> and so she took it and ate it. Ate it. Satan went straight for the soul. And you know what? He talks about God in there. Did God really say? That's the same thing with Jesus. If you are the son of God, doubt. Did God really say? The only difference is all right through Genesis up until that point, the word God is Elohim, fellowship, relationship, the Lord God. When Satan comes to Eve, he drops that. He uses another term in the original, which is Yahweh, which is God, Lord, God Almighty. But he drops the Lord. Isn't that interesting? but he still uses the name of God. There are presentations, there are things that look good. They smell good. They sound good on social media, platforms, TikTok, pornography, all sorts of, it looks good, but I tell you, the Bible says there's a way that feels right under man, but in the end, it leads to death, always. The wages is a payout. The wages of sin is always death, I tell you. Praise the Lord. Just getting in there. Uh, lay me a quick foundation. Uh, Genesis 3.3, now the serpent was more crafty or subtly. So the devil never comes to you and say, hey, mate, you should take those drugs. I'll give you a look at all those who are in P right now, and I'll show you a before and an after photograph. Do you want to see it? But you should take that. No, that doesn't do that. It, it's all about high. It's all about being in the moment. It's all about a now experience. Others are doing it. And the party's going on and all sorts. And so you jump out and or the persuasion and seduction of somebody else. Rather than having some, I don't even know why you're there in the first place, but rather than having some fortitude and saying, no, that's not me. I, I, have, I have power. I have, I have uh, some standards. I have some power about me. I don't have to do that. When you're offered the drink, you think, oh, what oh, oh, everybody else. No, no, no. You have to, at some point, you've got to draw some lines. Some point you've got to, some of you, some of it, we've got to turn away the pornography and say, this is damaging the marriage. This is destroying who I am. This is actually setting up a stronghold over our children and over our grandchildren for that unclean spirit to have an entrenchment that goes right down to the bottom. But when granddads and grandfathers and fathers and brothers and uncles and so forth can stop this, crush it, get rid of it, and come clean and open about it and confess it out of sin, the Bible says God will actually heal us and deliver us according to the book of James. And it sets up, you ready? Progeny, righteous progeny. It sets up an inheritance of legacy in the kingdom of God. And all of a sudden, all the kids, one, two, three, four, or the grandkids, all of a sudden they get saved. And you, and you realize it's just like all these amount of people born in the kingdom of God because mama made a decision to go to church because dad made a decision to actually walk right. You see the difference? Okay, so anyway, so getting a difference between, oh, let me show you this. Job, how many, how many have ever read the book of Job? Good on you. Great. Let me read this. This is incredible. Well, uh, I, I told you there's mimics and there's counterfeits. You remember Janice and Jambres? They said, we can do all these things. We can do all these things, Moses. We can copy this. We can do it until the lice came out. And then they said, this is the finger of God. We can't do that. Uh, and then we got this, a Simon the sorcerer in Acts 8. 
It said he astonished the people claiming to be somebody great. In other words, he'd hoodwinked and seduced the people. Real spirits, charisma, real spirits, real power. Job 4, 12 and 21. We'll see if we can read this whole thing. This is amazing. You see, we'll check your discernment to see how good we are, okay? Here we go, verses 12. Are we right? Now. Everybody say now. Listen to this. This is really interesting. Okay. Now a word was secretly brought to me. Now, background, Job. God's trying him and testing him. He's now given permission for the enemy to come and, and uh, bring things around his life and so forth. But you have comforters. You have three people that came in the name of friendships. Look what one of them said. He thought he was coming from God. Inspiration. A little bit like Jesus, remember? It's just, oh, Jesus, you, Peter, you can't go to the cross now. You can't go to the cross. And Jesus said, away from you, Satan. Behind me, go. So sometimes we can think. Okay, here we go. Now, a word was secretly brought to me, and my ear received a whisper of it. In disquieting thoughts from the visions of the night, when deep sleep falls on men, then a spirit passed before my face. The hair on my body stood up and stood still. It stood still, but I could not discern its appearance. A form was before my eyes that was silent. Then I heard a voice saying. Now that is a demonic spirit. You should know that. That's a demon spirit come to one of the comforters. And the spirit is going to bring an utterance. Now notice he couldn't discern it. He didn't know whether that was of God or the enemy, but he's giving this word. He must have been convinced to somehow it was of God because he actually begins to tell Job about it as if it's coming from the word of the Lord. And it wasn't. The source of it was actually from a different kingdom, the kingdom of darkness. And this is, you listen to this, these are demonic words. Can a mortal, it's in the Bible, can a mortal be righteous than God? Well, that sounds plausible. Can we be more righteous than God? Can a man be more pure than his maker? If he puts no trust in his servants, if he charges his angels with error, how much more those who dwell in the houses of clay? whose foundation is in the dust, who are crushed before a moth. They are broken in pieces from morning till evening. They perish forever with no one regarding. Does not their own excellence go away? They die even without wisdom. There's a couple of things in there that are bordering on truth. The rest of it is absolute mixture and error. But the guy thought it was of God. Now we know in Job 42.7, God nails that guy for it. And this is what he says to Job. And so it was after the Lord had spoken these words to Job that the Lord said to Elabhaz, the term a night, my wrath, my anger is roused against you and your two friends, for you have not spoken to me what is right. You have not spoken what is right as my servant Job has. Now let me tell you this. There are things, when the enemy comes with seduction, this is one of the most important principles to understand. It looks good. Oh, man, it looks good. Wow. It sounds good. Don't forget it feels good. It tastes good. There's a great aura around it. It's a presentation for us. It, it could be. It's like, and it pulls on us. It pulls on who we are as a person. But it's coming not from the blessing of the Lord. It's camouflaged. Do you think, for example, if 
The enemy tried to lure and tempt and was successful as Adam and Eve in the first order and the second order with Christ that came with the same kind of temptation. Then I have to think, what is it around my life that will draw me? Maybe into good works, maybe into distractions, maybe into helping people do this. And yet the spirit of God, the hand of God is not on it. And it's robbing me of valuable time because now I'm not even involved with what God has called me to do. I'm serving everything else. I'm doing everything else. I'm busy with work and everything else. But the destiny, the DNA, the destiny, the calling of God has been shelved and we're doing a whole lot of other stuff. So in other words, we're now playing golf on a Sunday when we should be at church. Sure going quiet in the house. Oh, praise God. It's a cover-up, an agenda that always comes to injure us. Pornography always comes to injure. Distractions that are engineered by darkness, they always come to injure us. Are you with me this morning? How about this, Proverbs 1 and 10. My son, if sinners entice you, how about this, do not consent. <laughs> well, basic, eh? Don't go, don't do, don't be. King Solomon was lured by a beautiful woman. I wonder what happened to the Israeli woman. You think about that in 1 Kings 11. Why was he seduced by foreign woman? Think about this. This is King Solomon, David's, uh, David's son. And the Bible says he was seduced. He was lured. He, he got into having a foreign woman. God had said, don't do that. Don't jump the fence like that because the moment that you do, you will start to embrace their gods. Now, if you study Solomon seriously, you will find that Solomon wrote occultic law. I know he wrote Ecclesiastes and parts of Proverbs and so forth, but he actually got into occultic law. Did you know he actually erected idols and some of them were to Moloch? This was King Solomon, the Sheba, Queen Sheba, and the wise guy that, remember, with the sword of the two women that came in, and he said, whatever he said, but this is Solomon. The splendor that Jesus says, even the lilies have more splendor than Solomon. He's called out there. But this is King Solomon, the richest person in the entire planet of that day. In fact, they say, of, of, I have it somewhere, the amount of wealth, I think he can outstrip some of the wealthiest people that are here on the planet today. That's how much wealth King Solomon had. He asked for wisdom to govern the people. God gave him prosperity and wisdom. But the Bible, and then God warned him, he says, don't go with the foreign woman because they are involved with idolatry and you'll end up work. But what did he do? Now, so I think to himself, he had access to the Israeli woman who would have been attractive also. What was it? What was in Solomon? It's because the girls carried something. Now, I don't want to offend anybody in the room here, so please read my lips and you have to trust my heart on this. But some woman carry an attraction that's not natural. Some men carry a charisma and attraction that's not natural. It's engineered by demonic spirits. It's a spirit of seduction. So we think, oh, she looks so beautiful and attractive, but she actually looks more attractive than what she really is. That's where I don't want you to get offended. But it's actually a spirit power on her. Come on, some of you know exactly what I'm talking about. Or oh, we all just 
dumb mullets that walk around. There are, there, are, there are some people, honestly, there are some guys, girls, there are some guys that have a spirit power of charisma around them. They can charm all sorts of girls. You talk to girls and say, I don't even like him. I don't even know. He's not even that handsome, but man, I just, oh, there's something about him. Ah. Oh, I'll tell you there's something about him. It's called a spirit of seduction. And it wants to get you somewhere that you don't want to be. That's the power of it. Samson was soul tied to Delilah. He seduced Delilah, and Delilah seduced him. How about King Ahab? Oh, no one sold himself to do evil like Ahab, inspired and seduced by his wife. Can you make your wife seduce husbands? Ahab never challenged her, but he was besotted and infatuated by the charm that Jezebel had, a spirit power that basically took on the whole nation of Israel and basically brought perversion and brought that nation into credible offside with God. And all of a sudden, all of a sudden, Elijah the Tispite, no introduction to the skull. We don't know anything about Elijah. That gives us no Bible background. And then all of a sudden, Elijah, as if to say, hey, guys, forget the background. Elijah just needs to front up now. Elijah the Tishbite. So who's Elijah? We don't know anything about this guy. And he basically takes on Jezebel in conjunction with Jehu and so forth to actually bring Israel back out of idolatry. But honestly, honestly, it was simple if everybody just did what God had asked them to do. And that's what Jesus talks about, living and, and bread and that sort of stuff. It's one of us and two of us. A bad company corrupts good morals. I think I'm going to go somewhere here. Lot's wife, because we get soul tied and we get lured by people, huh? Uh, products online. Nothing wrong with looking at stuff on trade mirror online. There's nothing wrong. But there are some things you can't go to bed without thinking about that thing. I've got to have that. And you buy, well, I've got to have this, you know. And, uh, but the other one is places. We're enamored and taken in by soul tied to places. Lot's wife was soul tied to Gomorrah. You think about that, given a clear command by the angel of the Lord. Hey, look, just give you a heads up. Don't look back. Don't look back. Whatever you do, get out of there quick. We're not going to bring this judgment until you get right out of here. So you better hurry. It's coming, but don't look back. The Bible says a man that looks back after he's been born again is not even worthy of the kingdom of God. That's how the kingdom of God has been elevated, and we're not even to look back into the things of the world. We're gone. It's dusted, man. It's done. But we look back, and, oh, it would be better in Egypt. It would be better in the nightclubs. Man, the Bible says... Brother, do you even know what you've been called out of? Sister, do you know what the bondage that's been broken around your life you've been called out of and you're starting to look back into that well? And it says you're not even worthy of the kingdom of God. Just a thought. Just a morning thought for us. It has nothing. The drug culture has nothing for us. The sex culture, it has nothing for us. Mammon. All the accolades and all the praise of the world will empty you. It'll make you desolate or make you dry. You've got to go with destiny. You've got to go with God's plan. It's safe. It's secure. It's going to bring satisfaction. It's going to set your family up for generations to come. The Bible says, what does it profit if we gain the whole world? 
But in the end of gaining the whole world, what's the whole world? Well, that'd be billions of dollars. That'd be a few jets chucked in there. That'd be on social media, left, right, and center. The most popular man, the mixture man, or the, the most popular woman. And yet, in the process, you were going to lose your soul. Mm. Why does this happen? Well, James 1.14, Jesus' half-brother spills it out for us, lays it on the platform. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away. Okay? You see, Jesus said this, Satan comes and has nothing in me. And Peter, he had something in Peter because he said, the enemy's come and asked if he, you could be sifted, Peter. It looked like, when you study Peter's life, it looks like probably fear. When you actually go through the scriptures, it looks like fear. Something's inside us. We're drawn away by his own desires and enticed or seduced. But each one is tempted when he's drawn away. See, I, if I can remember this right, if I gave you an apple, now I'll give you $1,000 cash, and I, it's not yours, but if, I, if it was here on the bench, and I, and uh, how do I do this now? If I gave it to you, it's a gift, okay? If there's a thousand dollars here, and I'm not here, and this person sits here, looks around, and sees that nobody's here, is that a temptation? Yes, and they succumb to it, okay? So Jesus was tempted on all forms, but it didn't take on his heart. It didn't grab him. So even though the thousand dollars was here and he's sitting here, it might have been a temptation by virtue of what the enemy is trying to offer, but it never was a temptation to him. You know the difference. It never really grabbed his soul. Okay, what's grabbing us? Is there? Maybe today there's nothing grabbing you. God bless you. That's awesome. You should be preaching this message too. But we get tacked all the time. We have to watch this because the Bible, Paul warns these things. These are prophetic statements of an end time age. I know of ministries and pastors that are no longer in ministry today. It's really sad. They moved in the gifts of the Spirit. They moved in the power of God, but they were seduced into bitterness and into offense. They were seduced into sidetracks around their life. They were seduced out of the ministry. They were seduced into burnout. And they warred against godly principle. They got into burnout and things. Not even bitter, not even going to church today. Oh, it shocks me. It's just like, these were, these were big namers in New Zealand and Australia, no longer in the ministry. Or traveling around the world and getting in compromised situations and not traveling with their wives or a team or somebody with them. And, and uh, in, in, the, in the end, they're actually compromising their body in adultery. Mm. Adultery is more common than you think it is. It's on our island. It's rife on our island. Just let me throw this out. Adultery is big on our island. It's breaking off a covenant. God can help us. It says Proverbs 9, 17, stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. Oh, there's something about this thing. Oh, it just grabs, it grabs on the soul, it grabs on me. Don't touch it. Don't touch it. It's laced. It's totally laced for you. There's a person here this morning, and you have been pulled out into other things, and you've been seduced into, as a man, you've been seduced into good works. You've been seduced into activities, seduced into stuff that you're doing, but it's not even, the destiny mark is not even on it. You're just doing stuff. You're tired, you're exhausted. Mate, 
when you're in the yoke of God, the energy of God is. You could be working busy and laboring hard, but you have just an inherent energy because you're in the grace of God. When you move out of his grace, that's when exhaustion is because it's the own strength now. Big difference. These things are basic for you. Seduction uses one tool, and I'm going to uh, hop on this one because I think we need to clean this up. And it's, uh, It says in 16, 18, Romans, by smooth words and flattering speech, she deceived or swindled the hearts of the simple. Proverbs 7, 15, I came out to meet you. I looked for you, and I have found you. It's all about flattery. The Antichrist will come with flattery. The Bible says he will be risen up, and it says he will operate in intrigue. He will operate in flattery. With persuasive words, she led him astray. So flattery is things like this, and we say, oh, you're the very best. We throw praises and lavish people with flattery and praises. Oh, you're the, you're the most beautiful woman I've ever seen. You're awesome. People do it on social media. You're my best friend, and you're the best friend in the whole world. Oh, really? What are we trying to do? Now, I hate that sort of garbage. That there is actually flattery. It's not righteous speech. They aren't the best in the world. They're not the most attractive in the world. They're not our best friends in the world. But these are the things we do, and it comes out because we want to be wanted. In return, we are saying these things. We're doing these things in order to get a kickback because we feel good. I think we should talk about flattery because it's very different from praise. Praise will always will propel you. It'll say good things. But the motivation of the heart is sanctified is to push you towards your destiny. It's never... It's never, ever silently, I want you to like me. I have seen people prophesy. I'll tell you this, and I'll, this is, um, I'll, I'll tell you this, this is, this is terrible, and this is, uh, this is prophetic damage, but it's terrible. It's a defilement of the ministry. Uh, uh, um, a person that I know of his name spoke to a pastor or an apostolic ministry that I do know of years ago, and he said to him this, he said this, look, if you ever want to go into a church and get an invitation back into the church again, prophesy over the pastor's wife. How about that? In other words, oh, sure, oh, yeah, let's get this guy back, and he was so awesome, he's so good. I thought, that's horrible. That is, that's witchcraft. Do you understand the difference? We give a prophecy because the Lord tells us to, and it's to push them towards their destiny, to encourage them, but not to, to, to lavish praise or, or lavish charm upon them. We're trying to draw them back for us. Social media is loaded with it. You get guys in and the thing they come in, they'll come in and pretty, now I'm, I'm on the roll, come into the church and they'll say, hey, thanks, Jonathan, really great to be here and that sort of stuff. You know, and then they have all this praise and praise and praise and it's just wrong. Honor, respect, value the person, Esteem the person and make mention of the gift. Make sure that we're coming from a sanctified heart. I think I've only given you 10% of what I'd like to say about that, but I think it's triggering things in our life. Don't jump into flattery. It's not of the kingdom of God. It's not of the kingdom of God. Seriously, it comes from the kingdom of darkness, and it's what the Antichrist is going to use. Satan uses it all the time. Charisma people. How do you, it talks about the prostitute getting the guys into bed, flattery. How about girl, guys that charm girls? It's flattery. How about 
older men in business that, that go for younger guys in business. I was involved with a business deal I should never have got involved in. And I felt wrong about it. And I was, I was in, in, inspired by other people that, that, that they got out of it too, but I got out of it and I, I hated it. And it was just this multi-level thing. I should have never have got involved with it. It was stupid anyway. But you know, this guy comes in, he's on about $40,000 a month. And he comes in and he says, um, they've marked you out. <laughs> and I said, what does that mean? He wants a private session with you for about three minutes. That's all he can give you. He was in this beautiful suit and tie, my goodness. And he sits down with me and he says, son, I see you being a president. I said, what does that mean? You will find out. But I see you being a president. Your income, son, could set you up for the rest of your life and have passive income of about $40,000 if you follow what we're saying. I thought I don't want to be a president. Who wants to be a president? It'd be good if you're a president on a board or something like that so you can bring Jesus. But that was just like, but I knew it was a setup. That's what they were doing. And then, the, hey, it was really good. Then my friend gets a meeting in there too. My other mate, he wasn't supposed to be talking to me because we were on different lines. Pulls him into the room, three minutes. Son, I see you as a president. The only difference is my son said, my mate said, I want to be a president. (laughs) (laughs) You fool, fool. You've been done. Both of us left that. Well, we were silly, weren't we? Gosh, we should have been free thinkers and thought for ourselves rather than expectations, you know. My crazy living. Oh, my friend. My friend was, uh, I tell you this story, my friend was um, uh, a job opportunity. See, what happened is this, the enemy will try and take you out of your marriage. I'll just go six months away and earn more money. Oh, really? Adultery. Now, let me talk some real stuff here. There's something about being in the hub, being in the hub. There are guys around the world, and I know we need incomes, but look, I would rather stay here and be with my wife and labor hard and keep the kids at home and the little kids than go off to New Zealand for six months just to get a few more dollars to come back to what? And then what? They're over there and they're getting hit. They're in the wrong company. They're now with the drinkers. They're now with the druggy guys. They're now with this. Now, I'm sorry if I've offended anybody this morning, but I think we need to wear some caps around here. Maybe not you guys. Not you guys. I don't know talking to us but I think it's a principle in real life I think it's it's it's, it's what happens we we go and we go and we do our thing but I think we've got the little kids around like the five two or three kids and then we're out there doing our stuff and we're, I'm just going to be nine months it's just going to be nine months I think nine months of separation from your wife like that I don't know do everything you can or take her with you I'm not talking to anybody specifically here I'm not And I'm not talking about anybody's family here. I'm not. I don't know. But I'm just saying in the name of the Lord, let's be wise. The principle of what I'm saying is let's not be lured into stuff. So we lavish and we shower praise. It's often over-exaggerated words that aren't really true and not sincere. We're not really sincere about that at all. We don't really believe that. Do we? Do we actually really believe that stuff? How, what's, the, what's, the, what's the background to this? It pulls on our rejection. Seduction, we become susceptible or, uh, or vulnerable because of rejection, because we want to be part of the club, want to be part of the boys' club, want to be part of the girls' club, where it finds a place in our hearts and we're afraid, kind of like we're going to be out of joint socially. 
So we do it. Others are doing it. We jump in. What it, the motivation, though, son, was it actually got your rejection. Is that what God is speaking to you about? Appetites, fears. Fear we're going to miss out. This opportunity, man, come on, man. It's never going to come again. I've been offered an opportunity here in the island. And uh, um, it's, uh, okay, I've been praying for um, a certain uh, land or whatever it is, for us or family or whatever it is. And um, I'm praying for five things, five things, five specific things, very specific about them. And they've come, those five things. They've actually arrived. Praise the Lord. Just hold on there a moment. Five things have come. And uh, it's really specific details. It's just like, how do you pray those prayers and all of a sudden this arrives? I won't tell you what the five things are. We don't feel it's right. In fact, we know it's not right. And it came to us. I never advertised it. Someone came to us and gave us the good offer. And when I went through it and I looked at uh, the board, and I thought, this is five things have been prayed for. And it looks everything. Naturally, you would just jump. Think, oh, praise God. Hallelujah. It's now on. It's been praying for this all. We're believing for this. No, 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 no. Natasha felt, oh. And here's the key. Don't fight your peace. It's not worth it. The job, it's not worth it. Don't chase career over family. It's not worth it. Don't. Chase opportunity over family. It's just not worth it. Family is really important to God. Bring the family with you or whatever it is. I don't know. But anyway, we've said no. Got a thumbs up and response and that sort of thing. But it's just like I'm glad. <laughs> I'm glad we didn't do it. Because if we signed it up and Jehovah Jireh didn't have his hand on it, what's going to happen? Reinhard Bonnke offered $30 million diamond farming in Africa, South Africa, $30 million. And he says that uh, he prayed about it, and he said God gave him a dream. And in the dream, in the dream, he saw three hippopotamuses by a lagoon area. Very clear. He had that three times, three hippopotamuses, three nights, one, two, three. They keep coming back to us. We are going to give you the, the entire ranch, Step free. There's nothing wrong with the farm and everything. It's a diamond farm and it's worth $30 million on the market. It can sell for that now. You can take the money, you can sell it. You want to sow it into your ministry. Now, most people would say this, wouldn't they? Really exciting. 30 million bucks. Come on, man. Let's party. Let's do stuff. Let's go out. We'll, we'll shout the church to Antipodes. But you know what happens? He, he, she comes with a group of men and they come up. He said, I took two, two or three of his elders and two or three. And we sat there and he said, I, 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 I kneeled on the ground. I kneeled and I prayed, God, talk to me. I'd forgotten about that random dream. He said, God, speak to me. God, speak to me. And then I heard the voice kind of look up, you know. He said, I looked out the window and what did I see? Three hippopotamuses with the lake and lagoon, and I knew. I said, ma'am, he said, I thank you very much for this great opportunity. I appreciate that, but I have to decline. It never actually put, what I, what, what I was blown at, it never pulled on his heart. It wasn't like, wow, and then God, okay, come on, you don't have to have that dream. Why me, Lord? This would set us up. No, 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 he, uh, he said it, it didn't tug his heart. 
He said, had I taken the $30 million, our ministry would be finished. It would last for a season, but with no blessing. $30 million, that's only a million dollars a crusade. That's only 30 crusades. Interesting, eh? What lures on you? What pulls on you? How is your destiny going? If you enjoyed this message, feel free to subscribe and leave a review. We'd also love to hear from you. You can connect with us on Instagram or Facebook at Celebration Raro or visit our website celebration.atonga.com. Until next time.